Welcome to the Christian Faith Center podcast. We're a church that meets in multiple different locations. If you want to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to turn your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 5 will be our text that we are going to be working from today. But, um, um, you know, so I'm, I'm not growing older, I'm just maturing. Is there anyone above 40 like me that can just say you're not getting older, you're maturing? Let me see your hands. 40 and above, let me see your hands. Yeah. We're, we're getting better. Um, I've come up with a couple of things at my age. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. At my age, I see people around my age, mountain climbing, mountain biking, dirt biking, and here's me. I feel good getting my leg through my underwear without losing my balance. Come on, can you say amen? Is there anyone else that has that problem too? Thank you, ma'am. Pastor Jordan will probably never let me preach on the main campus again. Here's another one. You know it's a cold day when your teeth start chattering and they're still on the nightstand. Just, just speaking the truth. One more. I don't know if I should read this one or not. Go ahead. Okay, Pastor Brandon said go for it. If it offends anyone, go after Pastor Brandon. You know you're getting old when a recliner and a heating pad is your idea of a hot date. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, we're in a series called The Promise Of, and I want to talk to you today about a very important promise that we need to hear and walk in. I want to talk to you today about the promise of peace. And I think that's something that is a distinguishing factor in a child of God, that in the midst of chaos, we walk in peace. The Bible says, it's so interesting hanging out with a brother. He's starting to quote all these scriptures. And I'm going, did you read my sermon? John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says, I, and this is the Passion Translation. I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Can you say amen? Don't yield to fear, be in trouble, or troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. I don't think I've seen this level of hatred in America in all of my life. I've never seen such a divided country, at least this great nation before. And in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, you know, who do you really believe? We can trust and believe in the Word of God. Can you say amen? It is the anchor to our soul. We truly do have a true north, and His name is Jesus. Can you scream a great big amen? I want to talk to you about peace today. And can I just say this? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of such hatred, the Bible is true. And what would Jesus say? He said, the Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with 
with good. So I want to direct your attention, if I could, to our text today, Matthew chapter 5. I'd like to begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, And seeing the multitude, he, this is Jesus, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples, and I really love verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them. How many are grateful that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, opened his mouth and taught? And what did he teach? This is what he said, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled. You've heard me say many times that we're, we're only as good as our thirst. We're only as good as our, our hunger. For they shall be filled. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Bible says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. On Facebook, there was a a text sent out by one of our missionaries. I can't share their names or the country that they're in. But she posted, Please pray for me. I think I am in danger. And many of us jumped on and just started praying. But I think it would be very, very good to pause right now and pray for one of our Assemblies of God missionaries. Would you join me? Father, we lift up this missionary and her husband uh, ministering in a, a land where Christianity is very much so looked down upon and frowned upon and, and persecuted. Christians are being persecuted. Well, Father, we don't know what's going on. We know that that's your son, that's your daughter, and we pray protection over them. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? I want to talk to you about the promise of peace today. There are three arenas that I want to talk to you about that we must make peace in. Three arenas. The first arena is this, and it is the most important. Number one, we must make peace with God. You must make peace with God. When you lie down on the pillow at night, you must have peace with God. Because if you have peace with God, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter the the, the political climate of a country. 
What matters is if you have peace with God, you know that God is in you, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that your sin has been forgiven, that heaven is going to be your home. But listen, if you do not have peace with God, oh, you can close your eyes, but there's no rest. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You can see the desperate plea. Oh, I might look good on the outside. I I might attend church. I, I might look like I have everything figured out. But God, please search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. That should be the cry of every born-again Christian. Can you say amen? Why? Because Isaiah, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I tell you who can know it, and I tell you who does know it, the God who created your heart. He knows everything about you. He knows your, 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 your motivation. He knows your, your, what gets you up out of bed every morning. He knows everything about it. So on a daily basis, and if you're anything like me, on an hourly basis, Holy Spirit, please search my heart. Keep my motives pure. Keep my walk and my path straight. Help me to focus on you and not in what I'm going through. Search my heart. Oh God. And friends, to do that, never ever forget the cost associated with you making peace with God. The Bible says in in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been made right with God's in God's sight by faith, listen, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. Now listen, you lived in the world without God and without hope. How many recognize hope only comes through God? But now, I love that phrase, those words, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? For Christ, the Bible says, Himself has brought peace to us. How do you keep your heart pure before God? Recognize the price He paid to redeem your life in Jesus' name. How many grateful that God made a way that we can have peace with Him? Put our hands together and give Him a great big hand. Lord, thank You. Thank You, Jesus.
Number two, we've we got to make peace, and this is going to be an interesting point, with yourself. You've got to make peace with you. You've got to make peace with you. How many recognize we are as different on the inside as we are on the outside? And I know that there are many, many in here that you'll go through a period, maybe your anxiety, stress, and, 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 and maybe you start that negative self-talk. <laughs> Whenever I have a tool in my hand, it's always negative self-talk. Why can't I, I, I work on a bicycle or a motorcycle like, like Tom? You know, I don't swear when I have a tool in my hand, but I still remember all the words. <laughs> but you've got to make peace with yourself. You've got to be at peace with how God created you, with who God created you to be. You've got to make peace with yourself regarding your personality. You've got to make peace with yourself. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, yet true godliness and contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. If you're ever going to make peace with yourself, it only happens when you change your perspective regarding yourself. Perspective. It's impossible to love God and anyone else if you do not love yourself. Jesus gave us a profound teaching and commandment with this relationship trifecta, and it's the only way to make perfect peace with yourself and truly to please Him when He said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and to love your neighbor as, what does your Bible say? Yourself. I'm not saying to put yourself on the throne. <laughs> There's only one that should be on the throne of your life, and His name is Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? But if you really love God, and if you really want your life to make a difference in the lives of others, you will learn to love yourself. John told us in his epistle that if you love God and hate your neighbor, that, that it's a lie and, and it's not possible. And I want to share just a couple of simple truths that will help you walk into making peace with yourself. The first one is, is found in the verse I read. And I want to read it in the message. A devout life does bring wealth, but it's the, the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Being yourself before God. Since we entered the world penniless, and we will leave it pennies, penniless, to be content and to live free in the knowledge that you were created in the image of God, that you're not a mistake, that you're not a reject, that you're not the runt of the litter. No, you were fashioned in your mama's womb. You were deeply and dearly loved by your Father God. 
He knitted Scripture. He knitted us together in our mama's womb. He knew us even before that. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are here because of the divine design of a supernatural God that spoke your life into being, that created you, that colored your eyes and the the color of your hair on your head. Well, I, I used to be blonde. Stop warring against who God created you to be. That personality, that gift that you have, it might not be appreciated by everyone, but listen, if you walk in that gift, stop, if you walk in that gift, that's where the anointing of God flows when you make peace with yourself. God, thank you that my mama gave me a a chance to have a birthday, and now this September, 62 birthdays. How did that happen? You've got to make, make peace with God and you've got to make peace with yourself. Here's another big one. Really, really, really avoid competition and comparison at all costs. The Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil and of every kind. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, it's pure. It is also peace, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Don't compare yourself with someone else. And, uh, I'll give you a little insight in a, in a preacher's life, a pastor's life. Uh, many pastors, they fall prey to competition and, uh, and comparison. And a lot of pastors, they think bigger is better. I don't believe bigger is better. I, I, I don't believe that. I believe becoming better is always better. I believe in reaching the one in front of you is always better. And I believe that as you reach the one in front of you, you will automatically grow because anything healthy will grow. But I see a lot of pastors that they're just kind of sealing out because they don't have the anointing of of this pastor. They don't they can't preach like that pastor. Listen, just be just be just be good with the with the person that God's created you to be and be good with the gift that God has given you. I look at the 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 staff that God has raised up at Christian Faith Center. A lot of pastors, you need to understand this, senior leaders, they're intimidated intimidated by their weakness. Kelly and I, we've always recognized there's a few things that we do fairly well, but there's a lot of areas that we are deficient in regarding our gift. So what we do is we raise up young pastors that are extremely gifted where we're weak. And so that we come together, we make a stronger team and a more healthy, balanced church. Can you imagine if, if, if every church in America just was led by Pastor Monty and Pastor Jordan? It would just blow up like this and boom. But because there's disciples, because there's teachers, because there are people that are not embarrassed or ashamed, they recognize, I might never preach like that, but listen, the gift that God has given me, I'm going to use it to my fullest. And when you use your gift to the fullness, that's where God's anointing will flow in you and through you, and that's where the fruit is. Can you say amen? You are gifted in areas that we're not, that I'm not. So be at peace. Don't compete. And don't you dare compare. Don't you dare compare. 
um, I, I want to land uh, with, with, with a final point. I'm going to have two final points. Um, and I want to share with you uh, something that maybe has come from 40 years of walking with the Lord, but it's, it's so true in the Word of God. You've got to make peace with your brother and your sister. What a profound truth for what's going on right now. And it's interesting, we have, a no, we have a new year. I don't want to enter a brand new year, and I understand we're a couple of weeks into it, three weeks into it, without knowing that when I lay my head down on the pillow, I, I have peace with God. My, my conscience is pure. I want to make sure that as I enter a new year that I'm at peace with myself, not content, always growing. I shared a, a wonderful teaching with all of our staff last Wednesday, and it's Anyone who thinks you want to be the best, that's pride, that's arrogance, I I question your motives. I I coach pastors all over the nation, and one of them said, Pastor, I want you to help me grow a church to a thousand people. I want to pastor a church of a thousand people. And I dropped him like a hot potato. Why? Because I don't think your your motives are pure. I don't want to pastor a church of a thousand people. I want to reach the one in front of me. But I certainly don't want to enter a new year, a blank slate, a beautiful white piece of paper that the Holy Spirit is going to start writing, carrying unforgiveness into my future. Unforgiveness has taken down more pastors. It's right there with pride. Unforgiveness will stymie your Christian walk. And I don't want to take any of that into a new year, and I know no one in here does. So we must make peace with our brothers. This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. This is so important. Uh, Jesus speaking, by the way. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember uh, that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. This is important to the Lord. It's of the utmost importance. So, do we wait for that brother or sister to come to us? Or do you go to them? You go to them. And one thing that I have learned over the years is that the people who um, have hurt me, or, or I, I always look through the lens, I always ask myself, um, you know, the only time it really hurts oftentimes is when there's a little bit of truth to it. Don't shout me down. But you don't know the lens from which that person is drawing that conclusion. You don't know the perspective that they're operating in. You don't know what happened to them five years ago, two years ago. You don't know their life story. You don't know the battle that they're fighting. So I always look through that lens. I I remember that hurt people, help me out, one, two, three, hurt people. But listen, whole people make other people whole. And can I tell you, um, social media 
is not the place to go after your brother or your sister. I grow so weary of seeing people go after pastors, churches, brothers, and sisters on social media. You know, the keyboard warriors? If you truly are a son or a daughter of God, you don't do this. You make an appointment and you talk face to face and it's filled with grace. It's filled with mercy. It's filled with man. I don't understand what you mean. Can we get together and can we talk? I want to hear your story. I want to know where you've been that led you to where you are so that we can work through it. How many remember Pastor Conrad? He made a statement that I'll never forget. He said, God corrects in the hug. And the crazy thing about this is, as I study the Word of God, especially the, uh, in the book of Acts, I've never seen an apostle rebuke a brother or a sister in public. It's always in private. So make things right. Don't go into a new year carrying a grudge from last year or two years ago or five years ago. I recently encountered someone, I can't mention a name, very close to me, that this poor person has not grown since a divorce that happened probably, probably 40 years ago. There's such anger and hurt and rage, a lot of love, But then something, a trigger point, how many recognize we all have trigger points? Something will happen and it just comes out again. And it just grieves my heart. And I know it grieves the heart of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you just got to let it go and let God forgive. Um, Let me me just read. Can, Can we go to Matthew chapter 6? And I, I love this portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, and I'd like to begin reading in verse 9. Jesus said, words in red letters, words of the Lord, In this manner, therefore, pray, okay, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. Give us this day, I love that, this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Most dangerous prayer in the Bible. As we forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. It's commensurate. Could it be the grace of God is commensurate with the grace of God you're willing to give? Some of you guys are going, I don't think so. Well, let me keep reading. By the way, this is Pastor Jesus. I'm reading from Pastor Jesus right now. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow! Search me, O God, and know my heart. Forgiveness is simply an act of obedience. And unforgiveness will literally destroy your life. Case in point happened in my life when I I, uh, was a brand new Christian. I'd been saved just for a handful of months. 
and my first youth pastor, um, Bob, Bob Calloway was my youth pastor, and, and uh, I was abused growing up by my father, and um, he just said, Monty, I've seen explosive growth. I led most of my druggy friends to Jesus. And he just said, but I sense there's a, there's a stumbling block in your life. You've got to forgive your dad. He was my high school coach, and he saw some things that happened. Uh, excuse me, he's my baseball coach growing up as a kid. And I said, Bob, I can't. You don't, you, you don't know what he, you know, you don't know the, he said, Monty, you have to. And he said, let me, I, I'm going to help you. I just want you to just do it. It's an act of obedience. And I did. And it changed my life. And you know, from that day on, my father and I began to do this again instead of this. And two weeks before he passed away, I led him to Jesus Christ. And could it be that he is in heaven today? Because I said, Pastor Bob, I don't want to do this. But in faith, in obedience, I'm going to. I'm telling you, the decisions and the choices that we make, they have eternal consequence in the lives of others. <laughs> So it begs the question, how do you know if you've really forgiven someone? Because <laughs> that's where the rubber hits the road. How do you know that you've really forgiven someone? Well, I believe it's summed up. I don't want to say summed up, but certainly one verse. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. I think when you truly become someone that will bear somebody's burden... That's where true forgiveness flows. Love, <laughs> and you've seen me lead through this, covers a multitude of sin. Doesn't preach about it, expose it, but it covers, again, Pastor Conrad, God corrects in a hug. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I want the Holy Spirit of God to just do an audit of our life. Do you need peace with God today? Do you need peace with yourself? Do you need peace with someone in your life? And by the way, when you forgive, you literally, it's not, it's not um, embracing or endorsing the injustice or the hurt but it's just freeing you from the pain of the injustice. So I just want to pray over you today. And then I want to close with a beautiful teaching on eternal peace. You're getting two sermons for one today. Would you bow your hearts? Father, just stretch out my hands toward your people, those watching online. You love them, each and every one of us, so very much. Father, if there's somebody here, somebody watching that needs to make peace with you, right now I pray that they would pray, Father, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior. Give me your peace and eternal life. In Jesus' name. And Father, I believe that there's somebody here that's been kind of complaining. Why can't I be like so-and-so? God, would you just bring healing there? revelation that they are exactly who you created them to be you bless them help them to be more comfortable in their skin with who you've created them to be and finally lord i pray just a balm of healing would just flow through this place because probably most people have an injustice a situation a person that has hurt them 
And I pray, God, that they would lay it down at your feet and that they would forgive. Just as you have forgiven us, we forgive, Lord. Not to be brought up, but God, we forgive. And Lord, I pray that we'd walk in such healing and wholeness that we would begin even bearing the burden from those who hurt us back in the day. That we would begin praying for them. We would ask that God that you would set them free as well like you've set us free. Lord, help us to not carry any of that into this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have uh, shared in church growth conferences all across the nation, pastors, and certainly with our pastoral staff. We have a large pastoral staff. If you're new to the church, we have quite a few campuses. We're launching another campus in uh, next month in Boise, a uh, Slavic speaking, speaking campus. But there's nothing as sacred as when a pastor and a church grows together. There's nothing as sacred. And I walked into some new revelation recently, and I'd like to share that with you. And it says I have three minutes left, and I can do it in three minutes. <laughs> I don't feel a lot of faith right now. I want to talk to you about eternal peace. Jesus had just been falsely accused, beaten, crucified on an old rugged cross, bleeding, naked, died, buried in a borrowed tomb. And his disciples saw all of that, some from afar. Can you imagine their world being turned upside down? You think it's crazy now? Put yourself in their sandals for a moment. They had seen the Messiah raise the dead, heal the sick, walk on water, and he's dead. Their world is turned upside down. And listen to this. This is post-resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Again, just think of what they were going through. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And what would you say to your disciples after their king had just been crucified and buried, their world turned upside down? Jesus, what would be your message to them? And what would be your message to us in the midst of this climate that we are in, this division, this hatred? He said, Peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Exclamation point. Can you imagine that? And again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am also sending you. It's the only recorded instance in the Word of God where Jesus said, Peace be unto you. And He didn't just say it once. Notice He said it twice. He could have said anything. But He said, Peace be unto you. You see, that peace is an eternal peace. 
And there was a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Everlasting, eternal peace can only come after the atonement. Signifying you cannot find true, everlasting peace on your own. It only is found and can be walked in through the cross and the empty tomb. It's after the atonement. Listen closely. The original language that Isaiah uses does not say peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It doesn't say peace. It says shalom. And when Jesus said, my peace be unto you, he did not say peace. He said, my shalom shall be upon you. So I thought, what does that mean in the original language? And I I land with this. When Jesus entered that room, the atonement, the sacrifice accepted by God, He said, my shalom be upon you. Shalom means much more than peace. It means safety, rest, prosperity, wholeness, welfare, completion, fullness, soundness, well-being. Can you say amen? So what does this mean to us? I'm so glad you asked. As a child of God, it means, just as Jesus said 2,000 years ago to His kids, He says today, May you be blessed. Matter of fact, would you stand up to your feet to receive this blessing of shalom? Jesus would say to you, may you be blessed with safety, with rest, with prosperity, with wholeness, with completion, with fullness, with soundness, with well-being, with peace. If you'd like to receive that, can we just lift our hands toward heaven? Father, we receive shalom, your peace, especially in the climate of today. May the world recognize that there is hope, there is help, and there is shalom. And we pray for a tidal wave of your glory, a tidal. We pray for a move of God that would sweep America and the world, that will usher in the second coming and the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I speak shalom over every person here watching, every family member, our church, families, God. In Jesus' mighty name. And we commit to walk in 
everlasting peace that only comes through knowing you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen?